Welcome to the Youth Ministry in Motion podcast, the show designed to keep youth workers motivated and youth ministries moving forward. Now, here's your host, blogger, speaker, and lover of nerd stuff, Paul Turner. All right, everybody, welcome in. Welcome in to the Youth Ministry in Motion podcast. You know why you're here, because you want your youth ministry to move forward. And you want to be motivated to stay in the game, stay long-term, so you can minister to students longer. And uh, by the way, if you're, not, uh, if you're not signed up for the Fresh Impact newsletter, I encourage you to go to thediscipleproject.net uh, and sign up for the newsletter there. Because you know, if you're signed up, if you're a listener, you know that you get the extra notes from the podcast. I do a little PDF for you guys. I, you know, break it down in practical terms, not pie in the sky. It's all practical stuff here. And so I want you to go over there, sign up for it, because it's going to be worth your time to be on the newsletter for just for that, not alone the other things that come along with that. So, but I want to thank you guys for joining me today. Uh, another beautiful day here in Alabama. And uh, I can't remember what it is. I think it's like 110 days to the college football season. It's pretty much every day on the radio. <laughs> There's a countdown that starts at 110 days. Wow. Well, no, That's no, it's, no, no. The countdown's already started. It's already started. I think it's at 110 right now. Got it. So the start of the college football season. And by the way, that voice you hear, <laughs> that other voice you hear, he couldn't help himself because he is an Alabama Roll Tide fan. Roll Tide. And, uh, and so our, that brings me right into the fact that uh, our, we have a guest today, and uh, our guest uh, is Mark Nathan. And Mark Nathan, let me tell you a little about Mark Nathan here. Uh, Mark Nathan paid his way through college as an actor and started his life as an entrepreneur, launching a film festival, which we're going to get into, by the way, because I just love movies. I love film. I love all that stuff. At age 21, which is ridiculous, at 21, I wasn't even thinking. I don't even know what I was thinking about. I wasn't thinking about film starting a film festival. I can tell you that. <laughs> but, but Mark built, listen to this, a million-dollar-plus direct sales online retail business uh, that allowed him to retire from the corporate world at 27, also ridiculous. Because at 27, let's see, I was in my fifth year of youth ministry. And in youth ministry, by the way, if those of you that are listening, you know uh, that uh, there is no retirement plan for youth pastors. Uh, we <laughs> just keep going until we collapse. Uh, and that's pretty much it. We just die in the pulpit pretty much. Uh, but Mark, listen, Mark's been invited to speak globally about goal setting, personal development, team building, financial freedom, and creating culture. All of my favorite topics and which is so pertinent to the church today and to the youth ministries uh, that we serve uh, because that's what we do. That's what we do these things. And Mark, by the way, is a graduate of Loyola University in Chicago and is a proud Chicagoan. Uh, he and his wife Meredith live in uh, the South Loop neighborhood of Chicago, and he is, I'm going to add this because it wasn't in the original notes, but he is the author, or the co-author, I should say, of The Delusion of Passion, which, by the way, I have not read yet, but I am super excited about that because him and his partner wrote it from a millennial perspective, which I'm super anxious to read that uh, because those millennial people are hard to figure out, Mark, I'll be honest with you, I can't, <laughs> that's tough for me. I'm trying to wrap my head around stuff, what? man. We're, we're, we're a new breed. We're a new breed. But at the core, we're all the same, my friend. We're that's, all the same. That's true. I agree. I agree. Well, welcome in, Mark uh, Nathan. Sure to appreciate you taking some time uh, out of your day to talk with our listeners today about all things uh, youth ministry in regards to some of the things uh, that we're talking about today, which is team building, uh, team building in three different areas. Uh, but before we get into all that stuff, that's kind of the core, the core of the message there. But I really want our listeners to get to know you 
um, as a person. We met, uh, you know, we just really reality. We we met about five minutes ago. <laughs> so face that, to face five minutes ago, face yeah, to but, face yeah. five minutes ago. But this was a recommendation from uh, a fellow uh, Fizzler who's on Fizzle with me, which is a uh, site for entrepreneurs. Uh, and so he recommended, uh, you Mark. And I said, you know what? I, I'm open. I'm wide open. You know, I said, look, let's, let's have it. Let's have a bunch of voices in here. Let's have different people talking about different things. And he brings a you know, certain set of skills to the table that I think will benefit, uh, you guys that are listening. So Mark, I, I read your, your little bio there and all that kind of stuff, but, but how's things going for you? You doing okay? Uh, life is beautiful, my friend. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. I got a chance to listen to a couple of your podcasts and, and, and video chats from before and really love what you're doing. Really love what you're doing. Uh, you're creating a great support and foundation for the uh, youth ministry leaders of this next generation. And uh, no matter how big and awesome anyone thinks we are, I've certainly certainly have a, a very healthy ego and think that I can, you know, I'm, I'd like to think I can kind of do it all on my own, but the truth of the matter is we're not as awesome as we think we are. And we could all use a little bit of support and guidance and mentorship and some education, obviously along the way, uh, you know, if you're going to go to the next level and anything you're doing, you got to take yourself to the next level. So giving people resources to grow themselves and, and grow their perspective is huge. So I appreciate what you're doing. Well, thank you, man. I appreciate it. I've been in uh, been a youth pastor for those who are listening, and maybe for Mark too. That I've been doing this for about twenty five years. Uh, I started doing, uh, you know, the support system probably about five or six years ago when I started my blog, and um, and then it's just kind of morphed out from there with all the new content creation things like mm-hmm. that because uh, the market uh, I think needs honest uh, voices, and I'm not uh, I'm not in cahoots with anybody. I'm not uh, a part of any kind of big large. Uh, group or anything. I'm just a single solo voice that has uh, opinions and ideas and uh, things like that. And, and uh, you know, there are guys that I know that are, are like me starting out their careers or maybe mid-career in youth ministry. And um, you know what? I wish I had a podcast when I was, you know, when I was there with them and, and, and I didn't have anything. I had when I had to go. I had to go see people actually in person, Mark, if you can believe that. I had to actually go see people in person. I'm going to have to write that one down. It's, uh, it's a new thing. It's a new thing. Uh, it's catching on though. We just do it now via Skype. That's all we see. But you know, you actually actually go to, had to go see the gurus in person, right? You had to go see all the masters of the craft and. Oh yeah, and then uh, we had to take uh, notes on those um, those pads, those pads of paper, right, with a pen. Right, pen right. And pads of paper, and we wrote stuff down. Nice. Yeah, and you had to buy the book at the end of the thing, whatever that was. You had to buy the book, so. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Well, uh, Mark, tell us something about your your where you're at, what you do. I mean, look, let's talk about first of all. Your in your bio there, it says you you started a film festival. Was it when you were 21 or 20? Yeah, yeah. So I paid my way through college as an actor. So I did commercials, industrials, and theater, and and all of that sh- uh, small independent film. And I was starting to direct and produce some independent shorts with uh, my film partner, John. And he was a film major at Northwestern. I was uh, an actor over at Loyola. We were buddies from high school. And so we collaborated on a lot of things, got a couple of small grants for some of our short films, which was great. And uh, it was my senior year that we finished a, a short film that I thought was pretty excellent. It was called Backslash. It was set in kind of like a you know, alternate reality where there were no guns, everything was dealt with with swords. So there's these two competing corporations oh. 
going for control of the city, but then we got a chance to choreograph all sorts of amazing sword fights and, you know, sword fights downtown in plazas. There were 15 people, and it was it was amazing. It was I want to see awesome. this movie. Does it this was, exist anywhere? It does exist. I'll send you. I'll send you a link. It was, I want to watch. Is it on? Uh, is it on YouTube? For, somewhere? So I for 19. For 19, it was it was decent. It was it was pretty solid. It was a pretty solid effort for a couple 19 year olds with a you know two thousand dollar three thousand dollar budget. But what when we started sending it out to different film festivals and student film festivals, we realized that there were just a lot of tiny little film festivals that we had no idea who they were, what they were doing. But we just figure, well, I don't know who these people are, but if they can have a film festival, why can't we? So we just started a film festival. And so from the day we decided to do it, in 90 days, uh, we created what was known as the Chicago Collegiate Film Festival. So it took kind of the, the best student films from the seven major universities here in Chicago, kind of pitted them against each other in a battle for supremacy. And it was it was pretty excellent. It was pretty excellent. We had nine sponsors, seven universities. It was a few hundred people in attendance. Uh, and it turned out great. It turned out great. So that was my first step into the entrepreneur world. And and it was uh, got off to a good start. Got off to a good start. Does it still go on? Still it does not still go on. It was one of the the first lessons I learned in business about creating something bigger than you. If you are, if, if it's all about you and you're the one doing everything and calling the shots and I had a great team, don't get me wrong. It wasn't just me on my own. Uh, but I didn't, I hadn't learned how to empower other people yet. I hadn't learned how to build something collaboratively that can sustain with or without you. Uh, I hadn't helped people really latch onto the vision and have ownership in the vision themselves. Obviously we're starting to get into some of this team building stuff, right. uh, but, but those were some of the first lessons I learned in uh, watching that not be able to continue on as I, I would hope. Uh, currently the Chicago film festival, the international Chicago film festival festival now has a student division and the woman that was helping to mentor me during this, uh, this, this film festival I started, she now runs the Chicago Film Festival. So wow. in my head, it lives on there. It, in my head, that's they kind of picked up the ball and, and took it from there. Uh, so in my head, it, it, it lives on in their you, student division. You need to resubmit that film. That's what I'm going to say. I think you need to go back, take that film, resubmit <laughs> it to the Chicago Film Festival, and get the justice that is due. Because I'm thinking that the TV show Borderlands stole your film idea. I think they, they, you know, it's it's not the first time I've thought that, my friend. <laughs> not the first time I've thought that. Uh, but I'm sure your fight uh, scenes are much better. But. The fight scenes, again, for for, for 19 years <laughs> yeah. old, they're pretty solid. They're pretty solid. I watch a lot of uh, I watch a lot of action movies. There's uh, obviously there are a dime a dozen nowadays, and a lot of the fight scenes are just you know they're fast cuts, and it doesn't really tell a story. When someone's fighting, I mean, it should tell their story. It should tell you a lot about them, who they are as a character. And, I think uh, some films get it, and some films just you know it's it's noise. Yep, it's cuts yep. and noise. It's just a bunch of noise. Um, should so, advance the story is what it should do. Well, correct, absolutely. The story is the story is the the deal there. If you don't have a great story, all the action. I mean, and to some degree, we're not nerding out yet, but but to some degree, uh, Batman versus Superman suffered from that a little bit. Oh, I can't even deal with Batman. I know, versus- I know, I know. I know. But in should comparison, have, could have been like the first two billion dollar movie. It could have been, but completely it, botched. It, that. it failed in that yep. area of story. Whereas, once Epically. again, not nerding out, it could have been 
like Civil War, which been. was which was excellent, which was, which was right, which was which I was all about the story and the characters, and and then the the all that other stuff enhanced that. So, but um. But anyway, like I said, we're not nerding out yet. We're not. We're not there yet. We're not there. Yet. Yeah, let's no. Not obviously, go, let's not go too far because it could happen. <laughs> if we could break out into it, and it'd just be a nerd fest. But um, tell us a bit about your journey with the Lord. I know because you know. I, I'll be honest with you. I hear of a lot of entrepreneurs that are in the field that I know that are are Christians, but they don't really say so. I find that to be odd. Sure. Sure. You know, I, I, and that's their thing. Whatever they want to do, that's that's their deal. That's their fine. But I can just – just for me, I guess, I appreciate an entrepreneur, somebody who's a business person, somebody who's out there in the marketplace and things like that. It doesn't mind, you know, yeah. at least sharing and say, hey, this is where I'm at on a spiritual level. And um, But uh, tell us about your story. How did, how did this come to be for you? Yeah, absolutely. So I actually came to the Lord. I, I grew up Catholic, so I grew up knowing God and knowing Jesus. But it, it had gotten, um, for me personally, uh, my, my brother is a Catholic priest and very involved with the youth and, and loves him some Jesus. Um, he's actually a breakdancing Catholic priest who speaks Spanish fluently. Um, there's, a, there's a clip of that as well. Uh, that We were on Family Feud not too long ago. So wow. uh, if, you look up, if you look up Father Matt, uh, Father oh, Matt is dancing. Father leg- Matt, legitimately dancing circles around Steve Harvey. So, uh, in case you're looking for a, a little five minute YouTube detour, Absolutely. check that one out. That one's fun. Lattled that link. <laughs> by the way, all these links will be in the show notes. By the way, because I know everybody listening wants to see that. Wants to see wants that. Wants to see a dancing priest. Absolutely. But for me, it, it had just gotten very. Uh, routine, very monotonous. I, I just kind of went through the motions and I, I didn't, uh, if someone asked me, do you have a, a personal relationship with Jesus? I would just kind of stare at them blankly and I would have no idea what they're talking about because in my relationship with God, it was, you know, you, you kind of do your time, you know, you, you show up, you do your time, uh, you, you know, you, you, you say the prayers and, and you go through the motions and, you know, you're good to go. Well, I'm with you. I grew up Catholic too, so until I was 17 yeah. years old. So I, I'm, yeah. I'm with you on the whole thing there. Yeah, and so, uh, you know, what what was eye-opening to me was actually when I started getting into the business world, uh, I had a couple of really great friends and mentors who were succeeding at business. And it just, it, it kind of went against a lot of the, uh, natural, con- you know, pre preconceptions I had about what business people were like. I think we're all inundated with these images of these sleazeball business guys that no, are willing to sell no, someone. So, so. Sell, sell, sell their soul, sell their mom's soul, sell everything, you know, just to make a buck. And and so when I met these business guys that were were thriving and they were prospering, uh, but how they treated people was was not at all what I expected. And how they talked to people and about people um, was not what I expected. How they motivated people, how they treated their team, how they served their team was not what I expected. Uh, and when I started just asking a few more questions, uh, they, they had a, a piece in their eyes that was obviously more than just, I've got a lot of money. Uh, and so I just started asking more questions. And uh, when it got down to it, they said, Mark, uh, there's only so many ways I can answer this without you just understanding that our peace and security and, and prosperity, it, it comes from one source, and that's it. And so that's the conversation we really need to be having. 
I was like, well, let's have that conversation. Let's, let's talk about that. Because I don't know what's going on, but I'm, I'm missing the boat on something here. And so, so yeah, so it was actually through uh, some, some business mentors of mine that just were succeeding and they were prospering. And uh, they, they only knew how to prosper because of their relationship with Jesus. And, and that was a part of who they were, how they served people, how they treated people, how they viewed people and partnerships and relationships. Um, it was all biblically based, and uh, it was very, very intriguing and very eye-opening. So that's uh, how I ended up coming to the Lord was uh, was through was through that. That's a great that's a great story because you know, and all the things you said there too totally uh, relate with our listeners and you know from the culture that they're in. Uh, the church is in a very kind of weird spot uh, as it always is. It seems um, with you know. Uh, is it form over function? Is it, is it uh, you know, so many churches are just not uh, excited about faith. They're not excited about, you know, there's so much deeper stuff. There's so much going on, and yet uh, we're all at this very surface level um, with what faith is. So I, I, so I appreciate the fact, too, that, you know, and I want to talk, too, by the way, if you're Indian, if you're listening and you're a Catholic youth worker, we love you, by the way. Absolutely. Uh, I, had, oh I, had a, I had a CCD director that was point, he was on point with a lot of his stuff that he shared. And, and I would not have, by the way, a great reverence for God if not for the Catholic Church. I always point to that. Uh, you know, being a Pentecostal now, uh, I have two voices in my head. One is very quiet. And one is very loud. <laughs> and I wonder which one's which. I don't know, man. I, sometimes, sometimes I just need to hide away and be in a prayer closet somewhere and light candles and stuff. And then my other one's just like scooting around the room and cranking up some music. And so I don't know, man. That's, you know, that's just, I, I appreciate both sides of the faith that I have grown up in. Oh, sure. And so for me, it's a, it's, a, it's a powerful thing. So I don't want, I don't want people to get the idea that we – uh, poo-poo, any kind of thing like that. Look, everybody's got their own thing. And I, I think in the in the, the in, in the Christian world too, there's so many small things that people are focused on. I, I mean, you know, in, in my experience with with team building and and running organizations, big things unify, small things divide. Right. So if we just keep focused on the big things, we keep focused on on the big missions we're trying to accomplish, the the big purpose that we're all trying to serve, the big God that we're trying to. Uh, make proud uh, the big kingdom, the big kingdom that we're trying to expand. Uh, everything's going to work out, but there, there's enough. There's enough things causing divides in the world that we don't we don't need to be finding it with each other. You know, yes, just there's no the doubt. There's no doubt. And I talked about that last night with our youth. I said, look, there's a lot of churches that are the church of no. I said, but I want to be the church of yes. I mean, you know, I talked about two different people. Katy Perry grew up in a certain culture uh, where everything was no. No to MTV, no to whatever music you're listening to, no to whatever, whatever the no was. And then you had people like Jeremy Lin who grew up in another culture who learned how to develop his skills as a leader, learned sure. how to develop all those things. I said, man, what kind of, you know, I, thought, I just told our students, I said, what kind, of, what kind of person would Katy Perry be if she was in a church of yes? If she was in a church that was encouraging her and, and it wasn't all about the things you don't do, it's all about the things you, you, you're doing for the sake of the kingdom, big ideas versus small. Yep. Um, you know, and this plays into, too, we're doing a thing called tribes right now where uh, people want me to make rules about things. And I'm going, I'm not making any rules because if I have to make a rule, I have to police it. And if I have to police it, that takes my attention away from big picture. So I don't make any rules about 
games or, or what, you know, what somebody can and can't do for the games and that kind of stuff, just because it distracts. It's like, I don't want to take my time away from the big picture. I want to, I want to sure. spend time doing other things. Well, and um, also too, when it comes from, when it comes from you, it, it, it's rules that people obey or disobey when it comes from the, the organization, when it comes from the group, there's, uh, I've studied coach K a lot, coach K, the, the yep, basketball yep. coach for the, the Duke, the Duke, um, uh, for Duke basketball, winningest basketball coach of all time, ridiculous record, ridiculous championships, yep. unbelievable. But he, he talks about in, in a number of his books, anytime I've ever heard him speak. Uh, and as I've toured through the blue devil, you know, basketball facility, they don't have rules. He's a big fan of no rules. He, he is a huge fan of standards, right, uh, right. but the standards come from the players. He doesn't impose standards. The, the, the players create the standards but then the players hold themselves up to the standards instead of, you know, one person being a, you know, being the policer of of the rules. Right, and that goes to too because I tell them last night as well. I said, listen, I said, um, I said, look, I don't tell you guys about what the culture. Look, I, if I can teach you to be discerning, you're going to let the Holy Spirit tell you what's up. I don't have Absolutely. to do that. I don't have to tell you mm-hmm. what's up. You're going to look. You have a Bible. You have the Holy Spirit. Work it out. You know, let, 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 you know, let, uh, let God be able to work through you in that regard as to, uh, uh, as to what you're going to do. If I spend all my time talking about what you can't do, I'm not focused on what you can do and how you can build the kingdom and use your gifts and talents for the Lord. So but that leads us into, uh, Mark, that leads us into, I think our time where we want to talk about team building, because that's issues that I'm dealing with my team. So it's great for me that I get to hear. Uh, it's going to benefit my team uh, in talking with you in this subject, too. But there, I think there are three kinds of listeners I want to focus on for, for today that are listening today. That's a youth pastor that has no team or, you know, they have a, a one or two people, maybe just a scraggly bunch. They just need help. They're like, how can I get somebody to help me with my youth ministry? How can I find those people, get those people? Um, and you can dive into that as far as maybe even from a millennial perspective. Uh, I'm recruiting millennials, maybe because some, you know, we know that the millennials, uh, so it's rumored, are leaving the church. I don't know if I believe that entirely. Um, I think there's some reasons people are ducking out. But uh, the second group of people, I would say, that we're talking to today is the small team, and that's the maybe the two to five. They have two to five group leaders, but they want to figure out how to grow them and how to do that. And then the third group of people that we'd have is the people that maybe have 10 or more, which means they have multiple things going on. They got Sunday school teachers and small group leaders and Wednesday night people and Sunday night people. And they just got, they have a larger team there and really they need help maybe in managing their team at that point. Um, you know, I don't know. That's, that's it's, a, it's a lot of people. And I know that maybe a lot of people listening don't have that, but at least for the people that do, uh, they might need some extra tips and tricks for managing a large team. So if you would, go ahead and start with those uh, folks that have no team. And they're starting from ground zero. And um, they are needing some help. They, you know, teenagers is not the biggest. I mean, people would rather, in my experience, people would rather help with the children's ministry than the youth ministry. They just deal with better with younger kids. Uh, they like that age group, all those kind of things. But when you hit, when these kids hit teenage age, Man, people just want to like fly away. It's like, no, I don't want to deal with these teenagers. They're ridiculous. They're crazy people, and um, and so it's tough for the youth worker to say, "Help me, sure. help me with the program, or help me with something else." So, what is your what's your basic things there when you're dealing with ground zero? Maybe talk about how you you know with your uh, with your 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 uh, movie 
you know, deal there and maybe how you recruited from scratch and how you, you know, built that team out of nothing and, and what causes somebody to say, I want to be a part of that team, maybe. Sure. That, I mean, those are, those are three very specific and very different uh, type, you know, the seasons, I guess, of, of a group growing is when you're first getting started, when you've got a couple of people running with you and, and when you've got some people that are, are potentially up and coming leaders. I think when, when any organization is getting started, first and foremost, everything really rises and falls on leadership, one. But really what it boils down to is your vision. Um, if people want to be a part of something amazing, right. yeah, people want to be a part of something awesome. And what I think a lot of people are afraid of is they, they, they'd be all about talking about where they're going and what they're doing and what they're trying to accomplish. If they just had a few people that already were with them. Right. But you're never going to have a few people that are with you unless you tell them where you're going. And so right. <laughs> how can people come with you if they don't know where you're going? So you want people to come with you, but where are you going? And, and it's almost like people are, um, you know, when they start something, they're almost a little bit afraid or embarrassed or uh, you know, uh, sheepish about talking about where they're going because I, I think there's this mentality of, well, uh, it, if I don't talk about it too much, if I'm not super vocal or bold or out there, well, if it doesn't work out, then, you know, I won't be embarrassed. If it doesn't go exactly like I talk about, then, you know, I won't have to deal with the, you know, hey, how'd it go? I thought you were going to be Mr. Big Time, or I thought you were going to create this, or I thought you were going to create that. Yep. And uh, what, I, what I think most people don't realize is that when you try and do something awesome and amazing, uh, people want to be a part of it. They, they do. They, they're they're not going to sit around trying to, to, to you know, to deter you. They're not going to sit around trying to distract you. They're not going to try and put down what you're doing. There will be some, for sure, absolutely, yeah, yeah. right? But what you got to understand is that you, you, can't, you can't expect everyone to understand your plan if they haven't been given your vision, right? It, it, you have a vision for what you're trying to do. I personally believe if you've got something that's in your heart, you, you've got – you want to reach some people. You want to work with the youth. You you've got something that God's put on your in your heart. He put it there for a reason. And if He put it there, He is going to give you all of the resources and everything it takes. He's going to align the people that are going to be a part of that vision. But you've got to be bold enough to actually step out on it. Right? Belief believing something is one thing, but faith is an action word. If you really have faith behind what you're doing, you got to start taking some bold steps out on it. And so talking about where you're going, talking about what you're doing, talking about what you're creating, that's how you find the first handful of people, not the other way around. So I, I think first and foremost, when people don't really have a couple of people really running with them yet, um, I think you take a, take a second and really start thinking about what gets you fired up. Get, what, what do you see for the organization you're trying to accomplish. When you've got 10 people, when you've got 15 people, when you've got 50 people, what are the types of events you're going to do and how are you going to run it and what's it going to look like and what's the environment going to be like? And that's why that's why kids spend all of their time, you know, doing the the 5 second countdown on the basketball hoop, right? 5, 4, mm -hmm. 3, two, you know, and they practice taking the last second shot because right. they're trying to build up a vision in their head 
of, okay, I can do this, right? I can do this. I can do this. And when when you've done it enough times and when you see it clearly, um, then when it comes time to actually take the last second shot, you're like, oh, okay, I've been here before, right? As much as possible. Um, Well, it's the same thing when you you don't want to necessarily be practicing on just okay. Well, when you you find someone that's that that really is kind of looking for to to fill that that void in their life. Maybe it's a social void. Maybe it's a you know whatever it is. Someone that you really feel like could be a part of what you're trying to create. Then is not the time to practice. Like you should have it so clear in your head, and you should have it so down pat, and you should talk to yourself about it. That's not weird. Successful people talk to themselves all the time. I talk to myself often, early and often, all the time, constantly telling myself about the things that are happening and things that I'm constantly talking to my wife about the direction we're going, constantly talk to our team about what we're doing. But when you've, when you've got that so clear in your head and in your heart and you talk about, man, people are going to want to be on, want to be on board. So really clarify the vision that you've got and what you're trying to accomplish. If you already had 50 people, what would it look like? And yeah. tell people that. Yeah, Tell yeah. About oh, I agree, and that's and that's so powerful because you know every year I you know I try to uh, post something on Martin Luther King Day, and I rethink my dream, I rethink my vision, I rethink where does this thing want to go, and it always comes back to the same thing as far as that goes. As far as me, it's about equipping students uh, to use their gifts and talents to where they are self motivated, they're leaders, they yep. take uh, they they uh, you know take ownership. Um, that every kid in my group, I'm not the leader of the group. I may be the, I may be the youth pastor, but I'm not necessarily always the leader because that stuff's always getting handed off. Uh, I tell them, I say, look, man, I said, uh, you know, Jesus trained up people for three years and he told them one day I'll be gone. Now, look, I don't know when I'm going to be gone, but sure enough, man, I want people to leave this youth ministry. If they leave this youth ministry, I want them to be, uh, if I leave this youth ministry, I want them to be uh, ready to go, you know, ready to, ready to make it happen. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Make, the vision's got to come first and the vision's got to be out there and, and, uh, and be able to do that. So that brings us then to the second group of people, which would mm-hmm. be the people like me. You're, so you're talking to me now and you're going to give me some personal advice here. I have two to five. I got about six people. Let's see, two, four, six, seven, seven people, I think. And seven people. And some of them I have, I've had, they've been my volunteers for seven years. Uh, some are been they're they're coming up on their first year, and I usually do a little uh, award for them. I do a little like one year. I do a one year and a five year uh, plaque type of deal. Um, but for me, I, I'm dealing with a small team, uh, but I want them to be able to function better, and I want them to do more. I want to be I want them to be somewhat autonomous in the sense of owning the vision and saying that's not Paul's responsibility. That's my responsibility. So how do I get them with a small group of people to get them to be autonomous and to adopt where, it, where, where the values are theirs, they understand that, and that's not, not to say that my team doesn't do that. They do that uh, to the degree they can do it. you got people that are bivocational. I mean, people that, are, that work all day. you got people that have other jobs. You have, I mean, these, not are all, these are all volunteers. They're not paid people. They do a great yep. job with what they do. Um, so then the question is then how do we get them, our smaller teams, to adopt the values, to live out the things that the leader or the vision uh, expectation is? Absolutely. Well, I think, uh, and that's a, that's a huge question because if I personally believe if, there's, if you, you've got a good handful of people that you are going in the same direction with, that you've, you've got a, a shared vision and you're already taking the time and the energy and the effort to start to create something, I mean, that is – 
not even halfway there. I mean, you're, 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 you're so close, right? right? But really then it's all about the team functioning together. In, in the Bible, it talks about how, you know, there's some people that are, you know, evangelists and pastors and, you know, all the, there's different arms to all of this. There's different right. parts of the body. There's different parts of the ministry. Well, there's different parts to a team. And in every team, there's going to be people that bring different things to the table. There's uh, different organizations that I've seen and helped and been a part of. And, and one of the chapters in, in the book, The Delusion of Passion, Why Millennials Struggle to Find Success, one of the chapters, when we start talking about creating a life of passion, because you don't you don't discover or find a life of passion, like you stumble over it or it's hiding behind a bush, right? You create it with all the decisions you make and and everything that you pursue but one of the chapters we talk about surrounding yourself with amazing people and it talks about the big relationships in your life right there's the the big relationships are mentors and partners and we won't talk about mentors just yet but um but if we're talking about partners a lot of people they they don't they, they they're used to forming up friendships based on oh we like the same kind of movies or we like to do the same kind of things and and really it's it's based on who do, who likes to do the same stuff with the people that happen to be around you, the people you went to school with, the people you you know you know through this, that, or the other thing. And so it's like the best of what's around you versus actively like, well, let's create dynamic partnerships. And for the most part, partnerships are not people exactly like you. They bring things that are complementing, right? And uh, you know, some of the my my uh, my buddy John that I did some of the film stuff with. I mean, we're so different, so unbelievably polar opposite. Uh, he handled a lot of things from kind of the camera back. He was more of a tech guy, and you know, the 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 actual you know film purist. Um, I handled a lot of the stuff from the camera forward and the production design and the handling the actors and the directing and those kinds of things. But we made for a great partnership and business it was the same thing um you know i've had people that are you know i'm a big picture kind of guy and the guys that i've had really phenomenal partnerships with are not the guys that you know can talk big picture and the future with me those guys are the easiest to talk to right but it's not necessarily the most productive partnerships right the most productive partnerships i have are the folks that you know while i've got the big picture vision they're the grinders, you know, they're the workers. They just go flat, make things happen. Right. right, right. They're the, the guys that have the balancing personality and styles. Um, and so when you've got a small team, you, what you've got is you've got a very dynamic partnership, but what, what is most important is that people are allowed and encouraged and given the opportunity to really bring to the table what they uniquely bring to the table. Right. And, um, and people being allowed to excel in their strengths and really be like, okay, well, how can I just continue to be me, but me at the highest level, me developing my gifts and talents and abilities and creating an environment where that's encouraged. You know, there's a lot of small organizations and it's great. It doesn't sound like you're like this at all, Paul, which is great, but there's a lot of organizations where the, the leader you know, they're looking for a bunch of minions. They're looking for people that, that do think kind of just like them or they get rank and file and, you know, we're, this is our vision. This is how we're doing it and all this kind of stuff. And, 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 obviously do it the way, have, and do it the way I would do it. Exactly. Right. Do it exactly the way I would do it. And, uh, you know, with partnerships, there, it, there's a lot of collaboration. There's a lot of appreciating each other's strengths and what the other person brings to the table. And so I think if you've got a handful um, I really appreciate what the other people are bringing to the table. That starts with you. Um, that starts with you know you guys really seeing the value add that everyone is bringing to this dynamic specifically, and just remembering that 
you know, no one listens to the leader. No one, uh, let me say, let me say this. Um, they don't do what the leader does. They do what the, the main guys do, right? Then no, no one's, of course, you know, of course the leader, the guy at the top, the guy at the head is going, of course he sold out to the vision. Of course he's going to do it. Right. But what do these guys do? You know, how, what, what, you know, what are his top guys? How, how sold out are they? How much do they talk about it? And that's what people look at more than the leader. The leader sets the vision. Absolutely. But they really look at the core guys. And uh, when the core guys are appreciating each other and they're appreciating each other's value and they've got the leaders back and they're just as much a part of the vision, they're owning the standards. That's what people duplicate. People do what the core guys do. They don't, they listen to the leader, but they do what the core guys do always period case close. Right. Right. And that's, and that's a great thought because, uh, you have, if you're, uh, one thing that's always a clue for me, at least for me, at least is when I, my leaders are like posting things or they're taking their own pictures or they're, you know, with kids and they're doing things and they're showing the value they have with these students. Uh, that tells me that I don't have to do a lot of that. That tells me, it says, look, these guys understand. They know what it means to, you know, post up on social media with kids and talk with kids there and, and do all that kind of stuff. So I don't have to manage uh, a whole lot of that, uh, which is good. Uh, and those really, my core people are those, are those two to five people who I'm going to have on my team that uh, represent in that way. Um, mm-hmm. You know, what is it, it you know, uh, John Maxwell calls it leading from the second chair. You know, mm-hmm. you're, 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 you're those people there. I may not be the leader in the room, but look, you can, you're going to be that, you know, that, uh, that person that's out there that represents the vision, you own the vision and you're yeah. going to go and do those things. And so and if, they're, if, if they're the ones that are going to be going out there doing those things, then yeah, what, then your responsibility becomes, well, how do all those things kind of add to the vision and constantly reminding people what you're doing, here's how it adds to the vision and what you're doing, here's how it adds to the vision in a unique and specific way that only you can do. And, and when people feel uh, like they're part of it, they feel like they bring something unique to the table. That's something with, uh, you know, with our generation specifically, like we just, we know that there's something like special we're supposed to bring to this world and we don't know exactly what it is. Are you, speaking, are you speaking of special. millennials? Are you speaking of millennials? Yeah. I am. I am. Because you, we, we, you yeah, are special, you know. You know, I, trophies we, and all. <laughs> Listen, free awards I, I know, for everybody. I know everyone gives us crap about <laughs> trophies we got when we were kids, but at the end of the day, it was our parents that right. we didn't. We didn't buy the. We didn't buy the trophies. You guys that's are the right. ones that gave that's them to right. us. You know, like that's we right. asked for them. But what kid doesn't ask for a trophy? Everyone that's wants right. a trophy. Everybody. But like, does. it's not like we were the ones buying them. You know, so like. Yeah, I mean, we got the trophies, but, you know, know. we didn't, we didn't buy them. So, um, no, but uh, we, we just have the benefit of being kind of on the front end of this, this millennial generation. And it's, it's so, you know, it's, it's a really cool perspective because we've seen, you know, we grew up with all of the, you know, the same mindset, but we've seen kind of how it's played out for people in their twenties and going on to their early thirties now. And we, we've just seen, you know, what, what works about that, what doesn't, what's true about all of these things and what's not true. And that's what the delusion of passion is all about. It's like, what's, let's separate out truth from reality. It's not a condescending, oh, why, you know, why, why doesn't our generation do this, that, and the other thing? We hear that enough from everyone. Sure, sure you know, so it, it's more about the church too. Yeah, sure. And so, you know, so it, it's more of a, you know, here's, here's what's true about all the things that we, th- we think, you know, here's where it's a little bit off. Here's what's true about it. Here's how we build off of that. Um, but we've, you know, we, we've got something in us. We, we, we know we're unique. 
Um, and that's not a millennial thing. That's a God thing. Like God made us special and God made us unique. Well, listen, and God made all of us. I want to clarify. God absolute, made all of us special, oh, not just millennials. Yeah, that, that's true. That's true. <laughs> but apparently we're, we're the ones that are remembering it. Although there are some people that think that, by the way, you know, yes. listen, I have a daughter that's a millennial. So, I mean, look, she's, she's, you know, 23 and, sure. and, uh, owns the world and, and everything else. And so I understand that. Uh, look, I, I live with it. I got a 20, 22 year old son. And so listen, I live with all that stuff. So whatever. Yeah. And so we, we just, we know there's something special and there's something unique that we're supposed to bring to, to, to the table. And, and, you know, when we're part of an organization that recognizes it, you know, like, Hey, here's, here's what you're doing, but here's how you're uniquely adding to the vision. Right, that we're right. putting together. Here's how you're uniquely adding to. Here's here, you're playing a role that no one else can play right now, and that is unbelievably special and valuable. Um, that's what you know, millennial or not. I mean, I think that's Absolutely. everyone. Everyone Absolutely. wants to know that because that's how we're made. That's that's, that's how we're made. Absolutely, and you know, you make the point too, and I'll emphasize this: is don't gut your team. Don't. Don't take away their uniqueness, right? No. Use oh, yeah. the uniqueness, right? But everybody says, everybody, you know, from corporate world, they want to squash all that, you know, uniqueness, right? If you remember the movie uh-huh. 9 to 5, right? The movie 9 to 5, the desks all had to be perfect and papers had to be like this and they had no, sure. you could have no personal effects, right, on your desk. But that you fast forward 30 years later, you watch, you look at a business like Zappos or businesses like that, which mm-hmm. is all about, Bring all your stuff everywhere. Bring, yeah. Put it everywhere. Yeah. Put it on your desk, hang it on the walls. Yeah, you're it, a freak you know. show if you don't have 17 million things on your desk. Oh. Where's the pictures of your dog? Where's yeah, the pictures right. of the places you want to go? Where's and you know, the goals you have. Where's your action figures, man? Get yeah. some action figures up there. Yeah, I, I, in my cube, I had, uh, you know, in my cube when I did the corporate thing for about five years, I was an executive recruiter. And yeah, I mean, on there were. There were some trophies from stuff I, I got from, uh, you know, from work, some work awards. But then there were pictures of like, you know, my my family and there were pictures of some of my next goals and some of the places I wanted to visit. And there was a Leonardo action figure, um, a Ninja Turtle action figure. And then there was I mean, there was just so much stuff. There were, you know, squishy balls that I got from, you know, randomness that we just sure. threw at each other. You know, like we didn't use it for stress because. We just weren't that stressed out, you know. We just oh, we used up to play basketball, you know, with each other, and so it's um, yeah. They, they and that's why the corporate world is having such a tough time retaining and attracting millennials because they do constantly try and neuter everyone. They do try and make everyone the same. Like, oh, we're all equal. Yeah, but we're not all the same. Like, equal and sameness are not the same. No. Uh, they're, they're, they're not anywhere close to the same. And so everyone, well, we, we want to make sure everyone feels equal. Yeah, but you're neutering everyone. And that's just, uh, that's not how it works. You cannot gut the uniqueness. If you gut that out and make everybody the same, your team fails. And that's the same in youth ministry. For those that are listening and say, look, that's a key point right there. You have an oddball team. You got some crazy people on your team. You don't even get to choose. Sometimes in a church, listen, sometimes in a church, you get what you get, right? You can't, don't be, don't, don't, uh, you know, cry about it. When you pray and say, God, send people and God sends you these people, you can't just throw up your hands and go, well, that's not the people I wanted. Well, that's too bad. That's the team you got. And then you have to be able to look at them and say, okay, leader, you're the one that's going to have to use their uniqueness. You're going to have to use all these things to be able to, to do the vision, to do the thing I've given you to do. So work it out and make it happen uh, in that regard. You know, I don't get to choose. I don't get to, you know, you, most churches aren't big enough to do that. If you have a, yeah. your average size church is 100 people, 
uh, across America. If you have a hundred, a church of a hundred people, maybe you have two to three in a church, maybe that can function as adult volunteer leaders. And you don't have, you can't just scrap them and go back and say, well, I'm going to get some more. No, you're not. You're going to get the team you're going to get. And then you better be happy and grateful you have those people. And then you better grow them and train them and love them and let them loose in their uniqueness yeah. as it applies to the vision. And, and so many times that it's almost a little bit of a, a proving ground, a testing ground. I mean, if you can't be trusted with a little bit, how are you supposed to be trusted with, you know, with, with more? I, we can read all this stuff in the, the Bible all day long, but when you're living it out in your life, it's, you just expect it to be easier or different or whatever. But the fact of the matter remains like, yeah, you want an amazing team that's going to change the world, but you refuse to change the world of the people you've got on your team right now. That's right. What and is, and you just, it's, it's not the way it works. No. What does Gary Vaynerchuk says? Gary Vaynerchuk says, ideas are crap and execution is the game. Mm-hmm. So you can have Absolutely. great you can have great ideas of what you want, but you got to do it. You Absolutely, gotta, you got to perform. Yeah, and it starts with whatever you you know whatever is in front of you. Um, right. The the last uh, one of the the last chapters in, in the delusion of passion is it, the chapter is literally called just kill what's in front of you. You you want to move on to the next level. You want you know things that are four or five steps ahead of where you're at, and that's probably why you got started in the first place. You know, in whatever you're doing, whatever you're pursuing, whether it's a business, whether it's building an organization, building a ministry, uh, you got started with visions of grandeur and yes. you know level eleven kind of results. But the fact of the matter is, you're on level two, and you just got to deal with level. You can't have level eleven results with your level two problems. Until you get past what you're dealing with right now, if you can't figure out how to work, work with and make, you know, help the, the three, four people that are with you right now, if you can't help them grow in their walk and felt, help them feel a part of something amazing, if you can't help increase the vision of four people, you will, you won't have any clue what to do with 400 people. Get real. You got to be freaking kidding me right now. So uh, you just, you got to kill what's in front of you. Say it again though. Say, say again about le- level 11 and you level can't have lev- Yeah. You can't have level 11 results with your level two problems. And that is absolutely everything. Then the, we actually, in the, uh, in the book, uh, to share this quick little example where we're, we're going to transition into nerding out at some point. Yeah. Uh, so when I was playing level, you know, Legend of Zelda once upon a time, right? Um, one of the ones I think it was on maybe N64 or Super Nintendo or something. But right. I was with my brother, right? And we're, we're in our early, maybe we're 10, 11 years old, 9, 10, something like that, right? And we, we got to a level that was hard and we didn't know how to beat it, right? So then we left the level. And we just start wandering around. We're like, oh, well, what else can we do? But then you get to a point where you just level out. You know, like you can't, you can't go to the next town or you can't get past the next obstacle. Like we literally explored everything we could. Right. And there was something to the east that was stopping us. There's something in the west, something to the north, something to the south. And my 10-year-old brother had enough wisdom to say, well, I guess we got to go back to the level and beat it. Because like... You you know when you level out, the only choice you have is to level up. That's it. When you level out, you have to go back and level up. You have to deal with the stuff that you're avoiding. You can't you can't move on until you deal with the stuff that's right in front of you. Yeah, and so, so we went hard. back. We went back and dealt with the you know the level, and then we got you know the hook shot, and then all of a sudden we can get past this big gap in the road that you know we couldn't get past before, and that opened up new levels and all that kind of stuff. But you just got to kill what's in front of you. And so many people, especially. 
especially in in our generation. I think everyone though, you got visions of what you want to be, and you you know God placed a dream in your heart, and that's a beautiful thing. But there's a process. There's a process, and you better you better deal with what's in front of you. Otherwise, it's not going to happen. You are not going to level up, my friend. Nope, not at all. So, well, let's talk. Uh, that's so good. I, look, I'm going to say it again. If you're not subscribed to the Fresh Impact newsletter and you do not get the notes from this talk, you're insane. I don't know why you're not. I don't understand. This is money, people. This is exactly what you're you're craving for, and you need this. Get the notes; it'll all be there, and then you can take the notes and teach it to your team. Teach it to your team. Find and and. I'll make a new term here. Bible it out, right? Look through the scriptures because all this is scriptural. It's not, look, David had, to, David had to kill Goliath to level up. Absolutely. Gideon none, of, to, none of the other stuff happens without it. None of the other stuff's without you. Without, if you don't kill what's in front of you, you're in trouble. If you, son, you got to sign up for the Fresh and Back newsletter because then you can just preach all this stuff, do a series. I'm going to write it out. It's just going to happen. So anyway, we're going to go back to this. Final group of people, final group of people. And that's the group of people that have a large team. And there's a lot of moving parts. Uh, they have to manage people. They have to, they're Sunday school groups, they're small group leaders. So once you get through, once you do the breakthrough, once you level up, right? So then what happens then for when you now are exploring? Like, example, for me, one of my dreams is to open a, uh, there's a, a place in our town. I'm an, By the way, I'm, I'm just a small potato guy here. I'm just a... Uh, uh, a big potato vision uh, in a small potato town, maybe. Um, so like French fries. And um, so with me, I want to open up a little business. I just want to, I, I want to open up the business. It's a, uh, there's a place called Paul's barbecue, which is odd, but it's been dilapidated and everything else. I said, I want to take that thing and create jobs in my town. It's a small town. Kids are always looking for jobs. I said, why can't we not even as the church, but the church, not the building or the denomination or those things, but the church redeem that, create what we want to create, go ahead and have kids have abilities to cook and things like that, and create a training ground for kids to do that. That's a big vision. That's, that's you know, in my mind, that's when I extend out that way and extend out to create those things, then I start creating more positions and things. But how do you then um, manage a team like that? What is important? What are the important keys to managing the bigger team as you grow. Yeah, that's, uh, that's huge. That's huge. Uh, I think, uh, and I love the vision of that, by the way, I think that's phenomenal. And I, I don't know how much you've been talking to people in the area and other businessmen in the area about that and all that. Talk to, talk to everyone. I think that's awesome. I think it's, it's a phenomenal, it's a phenomenal vision. I think it's a lot, it's something that a lot of people would love to get behind. Um, if something like that were happening in, you know, in our community and our neighborhood, I, I think that would be awesome. And that's the type of thing that, you know, I, I know for a fact there would be a lot of business people, small businesses, whatever, that would love to partner with something like that. So, yeah. um, so talk about it and, and, I do, and get people on board. Beautiful. I love it. Um, <laughs> You know, I, I think uh, I think in terms of like executing, right? Uh, because you know your your quote from Gary Vee a little bit earlier is absolutely absolutely spot on. Um, the the way I, I I talk about it a lot, I, I think I think goals are overrated. Okay, I think goals having goals are are nice. Okay, they're important for sure, absolutely. But if I told you, you know, if I, I said, you know, Paul, right, Paul, you should have a goal next year of making a million dollars. Yes. Amen. Be like, okay, awesome. Great. Preach. Amen. Love I it. Agree. I agree. I agree with that. But if I also <laughs> said, if I, if I said, Paul, 
So I've got this like warehouse full of doohickeys over here. Okay, yes. a warehouse full of product, and I've got a bunch of sales orders that I just don't have time to get to. Mm-hmm. So there's a bunch of sales orders. There's a bunch of product over here, and I need you to figure this out. Okay, I need you to get it to these guys. I need you to figure out the logistics and just whatever. Oh, by the way, when that's all done, you'll have you'll have about a million dollars in your pocket. Yes. Yeah. Now you're jacked. Yes. You're not you're not like, hey, that's great. No, you're like, let's get to work. Let's get let's go make it happen. Where's the sales where's the you know, where's the warehouse? Where, let's go. Let's get to work. And it, you know, I think people have this idea, this false idea that goals motivate people. I don't I don't think goals motivate people. I think having a plan you can believe in motivates yep. people. Yep. And having a plan you can believe in, having next steps that you believe if I do these things, it's gonna work. Yep. If I do these things, this is going to produce the results that I want. Um, that that is incredibly motivating to everyone. Everyone, no matter what age, no matter what you're doing, yep. having a plan you can believe in is really what gets Absolutely. stuff done. Absolutely. And so, as a leader, if we're talking about executing a big vision with people who, what, and as I'm hearing you say this, people that are, you've already got with you. So when I hear that, I hear Paul. I hear I've got a handful of people who are capable. Right. Correct. Right. Not just a couple of people that are with me. Okay. I've got a handful of people that are capable. Right. right. Um, well, if they're capable, fantastic. How clear are they on what their next steps need to be? Right. And do they understand how that that plan really actually gets you closer to this vision? Right. So it's constantly reminding people of here's the vision, here's what we're trying to accomplish, but here's the plan. Here's your part of that plan and constantly reminding them as you do this, here's what it's building towards, right? Here's how we're accomplishing that vision. Because goals, if you just constantly remind people of the vision, remind people of the goals and remind people of this, I think that's where people, um, you know, they confuse leadership with, you know, being a, a guy with a bullhorn or, you know, motivational speaker. You know, I, I think actually the best motivational speakers are the ones that actually create change, you know, motivate people to do something, you know, people have this misnomer, a motivational speaker, oh, they get you all riled up, I mean, most of the motivational speakers I've ever heard, like, they challenge you, they challenge you to, like, go change things in your life, go do something more, and go do something different, Um, so it's not just about, like, preaching, here's where the vision's going, here's what we're trying to accomplish, not just reiterating the goal 17 million times, what is the plan, what are we doing, and how is the is it a plan we can believe in and it will actually get us closer to the goals? Um, and if you can constantly remind people of that, constantly organize people and, and you know, help them deal with their stuff to help them execute the, the what, plan what, they're in front of. Right. What would right. you say? What would you say as your ex- example, my having my extra things? Like I want that, you know, I, I want to have that, that little yeah. restaurant, that little thing. It's just thing. a little pop-up stand place, but I want it because I see kids going there and, uh, being able to connect with the community in a different way other than being in the church building. I see various things going on that. What would you say then to encourage these unique people now that are on your team? How would you encourage them to dream out of that? In other words, I have an idea. I want to, ex- you know, I want to be really good at what I'm doing, but I want to be, um, I want to extend out a little bit, not necessarily to start a restaurant and all that stuff, but if a, if, they, if a leader has a group of kids in their small group or a leader has a group of kids in their Sunday school class, how do these guys, how do you manage that, but also uh, uh, encourage them to step out a little bit more? I mean, to take what you've taught them, but take it to one more step. 
In other sure. words, I'm not just going to teach the class. I'm going to do X, whatever X is. We're going to go, uh, you know, do a run for raise money for cancer uh, awareness, or we're going to go to take that next uh, initiative, yeah. I would say. So yeah. how would you encourage that amongst your leaders? You're, you're 10 or so now that you've built, you've put them out there, but now they need to kind of step out and go a little bit of extra to, to, to take initiative in those things. Yeah, uh, that's a great question. Well, I think I think first and foremost, courage is contagious, right? And, and so when you when you are boldly stepping out and doing what you feel you've got a heart for and a talent for, and they see you actually taking steps to do that, that's what's that's what's contagious. You know, uh, a lot of times, again, when people just talk about a vision and here's where we're going, they expect that to to catch fire and that they expect that to ignite everyone. No. no. When people have a goal and they're getting closer to it every day, that I mean, that's contagious. You know, people want to be a part of that. No one wants to be left behind. People don't want to be the the, the oddball that could have been a part of something amazing and they they weren't. Um, so progression and actually moving forward towards that is really huge. So I, I I'd say this. I'd say as you've got a team and and this is you know as we raise up more leaders so in our in our um in our online retail business or that's kind of the mode we're in now we we mentor a lot of people we coach a lot of people but people learn how to be phenomenal leaders by being excellent and impactful followers and i think a lot of people because they want to empower people and they see so much potential in everyone it's almost like they want to turn them loose too fast mm. and i think i, I think you, you know you do you see a lot of potential with someone for sure absolutely but their best right now is not any close to what their best could be after a year year and a half two years of hanging with someone with a vision that's actually making things happen. I mean, I, I brought a lot to the table when I was, you know, when I was 21, I was just starting to do some more entrepreneurial things. Uh, you know, I had just done the film festival. I was starting to do my online retail business and I, I, I brought a lot of raw material to the table. And if you asked me, you know, was I ready to kind of lead my own thing? Uh, I mean, obviously I had with the, the film festival, but when I got a chance to, for a couple years, not just not not just be the guy doing my own thing, but really learning how to be a wingman to someone else yep. and being the the best the you know the best contributor and the best you know being the go to guy you know all of those kinds of things. Um, I learned more about leadership in those handful of years than I did you know doing three more film festivals. Right. right. Uh, obviously, you got to throw your hand in the ring. You can't be afraid of doing your own thing. But I think there's especially in our generation, we just want to go do our own thing as fast as possible. Like there's so much to learn from. Just like okay, just you got a long life, you know, like life is long. There's a lot of great stuff you can do. And there's seasons to everything. Yeah. There's seasons to everything. Yeah. And for a small season, I think people need to be a part of something that is not just exciting, but actually being done. Like it's executing well and it's getting finished and they need to be a part of something that's big and challenging and requires some faith and requires some vision and requires some hard work and questions you and challenges you. And they need to see how a leader does that and how a team really kind of rallies together. And then now that they're more capable, well, now go set them loose, you know, now let, you know, encourage them to, you know, as they've, everyone's got different, I personally believe everyone's got a different vision and a different set of circumstances. You see the world 
in a way that is specific and unique to you. No one else is going to see the world the same way you do. No one grew up with the same parents you did and the same circumstances. God gifted you with a unique talent set and ability and, and gifts and a heart. And there's so many unique things you bring to the table. Um, and when you develop the leadership inside of you, uh, God's going to awaken things that you never knew were, was even in there. Never, You never would have even imagined was in there. Yeah. But you got to kill what's in front of you first. You, you know, do. you got to got to develop. You got to be a part of an amazing team before you can lead an amazing team. See, we so have, you, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, if you, I think the biggest blessing someone can have is being a part of someone else's vision. If you've got a, a leader, you've got someone that's working towards something big. Help them do it, like, and not just like kind of, sort of poke it with a stick, contribute. Right. People remember you for the I. People remember you for either the problems you create in their life or the problems you help solve, right? right? You create a big problem, they're going to remember you a lot. You create a, you know, create a small problem. You, you, but if you help solve a big problem in someone's life, yep. they, will, they will remember you forever, right? And what you have, what, what there is all, all around us every day, there's a chance to solve problems. There's a chance to help people. Now, you can't overextend yourself, right? You got to be, you got to pick and choose. You, you know, you can't spread yourself too thin because then you're, uh, you're not helpful to anyone. But I think the best thing you could have is someone that's got a big vision that you can be a part of. You will learn so much about you and leadership and you'll develop so many things inside of you that will prepare you for the next season where you are the leader and you are setting initiatives and you are, you know, kind of executing it out. Right. And you nail it, too, as far as being a good follower. I got young guys, too, that want to come into the ministry. And I had one guy come in and, you know, at the other church he had been at, they had given him all kinds of responsibility and all this other stuff. And he had gifts and talents. I said, well, yeah, but you're going to sit with me for about three to four months to see whether or not you can make it. Because yeah. if you're working with me, I said, look, I'm looking for things. You know, in, the, in, in my youth ministry, and this is old as the hills, but I said, look, you got to be fat, brother. That's F-A-T. If you're fat, if you're faithful available and teachable. That's my rule. If you can be those three things, you can work with me. If you can't be those three things, and those are the three things I'm looking for, then I can't, I can't help you. Well, you're, 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 you know, you're, if you're unfaithful, uh, if you're unteachable, uh, if you're unavailable, then that tells me you're out for you versus the big picture. And, and, you know, unfortunately I got guys like that that want the moon when they walk in, uh, because it's talent over character uh, give me, I'm good at this. Let me do what I want to do. And, mm. and, you know, so I encourage those of you, you that are listening here, uh, don't just put people on stage. Don't just give people massive responsibilities. Let them sit under you for about three or any leader. Any leader would bring somebody in and let them sit there for three to four months to see if they're going to be committed to the vision. They don't even know what the vision is yet. Uh, until you're sharing it with them. So be sure you're sitting people down. Let them sit for three or four months. Watch their, uh, watch their accountability. Watch their things. And then slowly, like Mark says, move them into positions. Move them into areas as they prove sure. themselves, as they're solving problems. Right? Are they, don't put them anywhere until you're discovering whether or not they're solving problems or creating problems. Because once yep. you put them in a leadership position, it's harder to get them out. Because now they're creating Absolutely. problems from a higher level. And, and making your job miserable. Absolutely. And when they are, when, I think a lot of people move, move folks into those types of roles too fast because they're afraid right. of losing them. You know, like, right. oh, well, they could just, you know, they go somewhere. I want to make sure they feel loved and appreciated. But again, there's, as long as they know where you're going and they understand how you, how you uniquely see them being a part of that, 
again, you don't have to start putting them on stage or giving them, you know, leadership beyond their capability because that's just setting you you're up for, you're setting yourself up for failure. Right. And quite honestly, what are you proving? What are you showing to them? Like, oh, anyone that says they want to be a part of this, well, you know, we'll just put them on stage. That's well, right. I mean, if you're you know, talented. You're not, if you're talented, I'm automatically going to use you. Yeah, yeah, um, and that's just not you know that's not enough. Now you can, as long as you're explaining to people, here's where we're going, and here's how I see you being a part of this. But you got to earn it, you know. Like you, you, you know, we when you when it's so important to you that they want to be a part of it, you're not going to lose them. You're not going to lose them. So you don't need to lower your standards. Correct. It's all about the relationship. Yeah. Uh, let me tell you, once again, Mark, fantastic stuff here. This is just money, man. People that listen to this, I think, are going to – I mean, there's just so much here. I cannot wait to write the notes on this. It is just – I can't wait to preach some of this stuff. It's just going to – I think I'm just going to have a – Use it. I'm going to have a message called Level Up. I think that's it. If you want to level up – have. This is it. Yeah. This is the message that's going to happen. Uh, I've done, I've done, I've done talks on leveling up. It have is, you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, you know, it just it connects with people because it's just true. It's just true. It's it just is. life. That's just all it is. It is. Which and everyone's seen it. Everyone's experienced it. Absolutely, absolutely. Which, which. So, look, I'm going to have you back on to talk about other things. Uh, but uh, let's go ahead and, and look. I don't care what how long this thing is. If you're if you're checking out now, too bad. I can't help you. <laughs> I can't help you. But we're going to still talk about nerding out because there's things that we need to nerd out about for a little while, okay? So just work with me here, people. Work with me. Um, so let's move into some things maybe that you're nerding out about. What are some things that it doesn't have to be nerdy. It could be tech. It could be culture. It could be a TV show. You know, what's on your, what's on your radar? What's on your playlist? What's, uh, what, what are you recording? What's on your Netflix queue? What, what are you into that's, uh, that's uh, raising your flag here? Uh, I'm, well, I, I'm just constantly amazed and in awe of everything that is happening in the the film world and specifically with the with the marvel universe i'm I, you know i'm i'm a i'm a i'm a film guy i love good storytelling i'm just constantly in awe of just what they've done and what they've created is is mind-blowing to me i mean for 15 years now it's just been this just this never-ending streak of dominance and the the fact that uh, again, it all just comes from good storytelling. It, it right. just comes from good, good, you know, great directors. I think directing is one of the most. Uh, a lot of people that don't come from the film world, they see like director, producer, all these names of people. Like what, what do they even do? What's the difference between director and producer and all this kind of stuff? The director is is responsible for telling the story. I mean, the the writer writes it and and all that. That's the raw material. But the director is. How does this story unfold? How does this story unfold visually? How does it unfold as you know with the characters? All this stuff and being a good storyteller is absolutely invaluable. Um, and so I see it a lot in the film world. But really, really, what I love doing is and studying is is really just being a good storyteller and and constantly um, communicating information. If you, if you can communicate the vision of where you're going and do it in a way that connects with people and relates with people, there's no, there's no stopping you. There really is no stopping you. So, um, I'm a big fan of, uh, I'm a big fan of, of storytelling. I love the Marvel universe. They're doing an amazing, best, amazing best stuff. Marvel, best Marvel movie you've seen. <sighs> best of the 15 Marvel years. Of the 15 years. I mean, I'm, I'm really, I was really, I just saw Civil War yesterday. 
Uh, I was I was traveling. I was speaking in the Dominican Republic last weekend, and so that was when it opened. Um, but I, I I think that's probably going to take the cake. I mean, the amount that they balanced um, was amazing. The you know that everyone kind of picking their sides, but it was kind of true to. It, it, it was true to their character arc and it didn't seem and nothing seemed super forced it all just kind of made sense and everyone you know everyone had the, their motivations and it was clear and, and the fight scenes were outstanding it was just it was great, it was great. I, I love watching i love watching the teamwork how they work together as a team it wasn't yep. like this is a fight this is a fight that's a fight over there it's constant helping one another whether it's scarlet witch you know, pausing people in it for a second or grabbing their foot or, you know, doing those things. I just thought that the, the way they do felt comic book real. It felt like that's what they were doing. So they, they are working as a team here. It's not just there's a fight and there's a fight. It's all kind of working together. So, yeah. And uh, I think that's, that's uh, one thing that the, the overall, the whole franchise, it's been growing over these years. And I think that's what DC has been unfortunately trying to do is they, they've been just been trying to get to this, oh, my gosh, look at this universe and this franchise. But what it really came from was a couple of really good films that developed characters that people really wanted to, they couldn't wait to see again. Um, DC just hasn't done that. I mean, the Christopher Nolan Batman trilogy is amazing, outstanding. People couldn't wait to go do it again. But now you're just kind of, junk, you know, you got a couple of, you know, subpar Superman movies, fantastic, no one cares. Um <laughs> You know, Ben Affleck is Batman. What? You know, he was like, a good Bruce Wayne, though. Uh, he yeah. was. He was. He was decent. He was decent. He was. Uh, he was surprising. He's gotten much better as an actor since yeah, he became yeah. a director. Well, he was a what, Marvel. Marvel owns the movies, but would you agree that DC owns the animation? Every DC animated movie I have seen has rocked it out the box. You know, I've seen a good handful of the DC animated movies. I haven't seen a whole lot of the Marvel animated movies, so I don't know if I could make a huge comparison. But the Batman animated movies, or the the, the Batman animated movies, and the um, the DC animated movies I've seen have been uh, outrageous. They're so good. They're so They're good. So- Killing Joke is coming out soon. They need to just hire those directors and fire everyone. They need to fire everyone. That's a part of Superman. Zack Snyder just needs to stop. Just stop. You're 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 you know you're you're a second class Christopher Nolan. Find you again. Just find you, bro. It's okay. That's it. You got some great. God made you unique too. It's okay. You don't have to be Christopher Nolan. Quit messing with my characters. Go do something else. Uh, you excited about X Men? I'm uh, yeah. I'm I'm really excited about X Men. I think. They they cast uh, some amazing people, um, just you know, with with all of it. Michael Fassbender and and uh, I think James McAvoy has done an amazing job with Professor X. And it, just you know, when you've got good storytelling, you've got good acting. You know, there's a lot of things that that, that go right with this thing. And so I think it's it, I'm I'm not thoroughly amused with with what I've seen of Apocalypse so far. Apocalypse to me was always the most like terrifying mm-hmm. of all the, the villains. Like, how do you even deal with apocalypse? He's, how do you even deal with this guy? And so I'm not super thrilled with the casting from what I've seen, but, uh, yeah, we'll see how it plays out. You know, Brian Singer's got a decent track record. He does. He does. And look, he restored the, you know, he restored X-Men to their glory, uh, with days of future past. No question. Tied it Absolutely. up, 
yep. did everything he was supposed to do. Absolutely. That was a, it was a great restart and uh, very excited. And it was actually really interesting. I've watched Brian Singer's, um, you know, Brian Singer and Christopher Nolan and a lot of these guys, you know, as, as I was coming out of college, they were like a step or two ahead, right? And so... Um, just watching their career progression. I'm going to be actually getting back into the film world uh, within the next couple of years. There's a couple other business uh, things I'm, I'm kind of tying up right now, but uh, I, I went into the you know the the business entrepreneur world to get the finances a little bit more straight, so I could you know actually do films that I want to do instead of begging for money every three seconds. Right. And uh, really excited about kind of jumping back into that. But they've had an amazing career progression, uh, you know, from from a couple of from a, a small indie movies to, you know, for, for Brian Singer, there was one or two small indie films and then there was Usual Suspects and then he's, you know, directing X-Men and Christopher Nolan and there was The Following and then it was Memento and then it was Insomnia then he's directing Batman. So at some point, hopefully, hopefully I'll be able to, you know, back some of this up instead of just talking about how everyone's not doing it right. Um, <laughs> That's right. You know, and, uh, That's right. Yeah. That's right. So, so show people how to make some decent movies. Absolutely. Last thing, have you seen the Assassin's Creed trailer? I have not seen the Assassin's Creed trailer. Michael Do Fassbender. Michael Fassbender is is the guy, and it looks pretty amazing. I have to yeah. say, I looked at I'm and I've not played Assassin's Creed. My son, sixteen year old son, has played all of them. He goes crazy with them. I watched him play them, uh, and looks fascinating. I've only uh, played one, but it's kind of boss. It's kind of amazing. It, and the movie, I'll be honest with you, it looks pretty good. It looks well, pretty I'm looking, good. I'm looking forward to seeing so it. I encourage you, yes, go see the, go see the trailer. So uh, so let's move into our last phase because we can nerd out a lot. There's a lot yeah. to nerd out about in the world today. But let's go ahead and get back to the last part here, which is I want to leave you guys that are listening, by the way, too. This is your part where we just offer a little – I'm going to ask Mark to leave a little bit of motivation because some of you guys are wondering whether you need to stay in this or not. Some of you are wondering, you're questioning your abilities, you're questioning your calling, you're questioning God, you're questioning everything and saying, man, what am I doing? What am I doing here? And I know it's tough. And so I'm going to ask Mark uh, if he'll just share just a little bit of wisdom. I mean, you know, picture this is, I'm going to say that this is Pastor Mark here. Pastor Mark is sitting in his office. You are now, you that are listening are sitting in uh, in Pastor Mark's office. Uh, and he is going to sit you down, and he's going to leave you with a little bit of motivation as to how you get motivated to to jump in on all the things we just talked about today. So sit down, take a seat. Uh, I'm, I'm ushering you into the office. Here, have a seat. Pastor Mark will see you now. And then I'm going to leave, and now it's just you and him chatting it up about being motivated. So there's this great story of this guy named General... Uh, Stockdale and in in the book Good to Great by a guy named Jim Collins he, he coins the phrase the Stockdale the Stockdale principle uh, he applies it to business but he tells the story of, of uh, General Stockdale who got caught in war and was a POW in this internment camp and what he said he, he made it out and actually a lot of the people that were in with him made it out and survived. A lot of people that came before, came after, didn't. And they asked him, how did you make it out? How did a lot of these people that were with you make it out? And he said, you know, um, what we did was we, we, we tried to stay optimistic, right? But optimism isn't enough. 
optimism isn't enough. You, you, we had to start actually developing a plan that was going to work, you know. And and so uh, one of the biggest things you deal with when you're locked up in internment camp is, you know, you're isolated and you're lonely. You can't talk to people. Um, you're getting tortured every three seconds and trying to get pumped for information. So he realized, yes, we're, you know, I'm optimistic about getting out of here and being rescued. But the fact of the matter is we're in an internment camp right now. We've got to deal with this. And we've got to deal with this stuff that we're, we're dealing with on a day-to-day basis. So he created almost like a little bit of a Morse code, right, that he, he, he kind of talked to himself and he talked to some of the other prisoners so they could at least communicate in some sort of way and, and stay connected to each other, break up the isolation. He, he came up with a couple of uh, kind of almost like a, uh, a schedule, if you will, for lack of a better term, of when you're being interrogated – Here's you, here's the type of information you give out because it's not a question of if you'll break it's just right when, right yeah. so so here you know at this mark here's the type of information you give at this time here's the type of information you give so that people weren't completely losing it they had you know a way to deal with the torture and that's what the Stockdale principle in in the in the book Good to Great is he turns it into business he talks about well you can have a big vision for what you're doing but you have to deal with the reality that's in front of you. And I think in, in, a, in any growth, in any organization, you can have a huge vision, and you need to, and you should. You should have a huge, unfaltering vision of where you're going, but you you got to deal with the facts that are in front of you. If you got three people, you got to deal with that. If, you know, if, 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 if you, you don't have anyone, you got to deal with that. If you don't have a good vision for what you're trying to accomplish or a good mission, or you, you've got to deal with these things. So there's no getting around it. There's no, uh, you know, shortcutting it. You, you've got to deal with it. And first and foremost, what most people ignore, they're so focused on trying to recruit people, lead people, motivate people. Um, as a leader, the, the biggest difficulty I ever have is leading myself. See, you have things that you need to work on. Yes, you've got a vision for what you're trying to accomplish, but there's things inside of you. Not even talking about your organization. There's things inside of you that you need to work on. There's things, there's areas that you need to level up. Maybe you need to get uh, more patient with people. Maybe you need to get more confident in yourself. Maybe you need to work on basic, simple things like being able to communicate your vision. Great. Well, if you're not a good speaker, fix it. It's not a natural thing. It's just something you work on. It's something you can develop. Work on your speaking skills. Work on your communicating. Work on building a vision. Work on telling a story. Work on these things because you working on you is really what's going to unlock you being able to lead everyone else. Leadership really isn't as much of an outside job as much as it is an inside job. And you working on you, you leveling up in the areas you need to work on is really going to unlock everything you want to for your organization. So have a personal plan to level up in the areas you're trying to avoid. And you probably already know if I'm saying, you know, there's areas you're probably trying to avoid and areas you need to work on. There's always one or two things that... I don't know what they are, but you do. You already know the areas that you, you've been trying to avoid and you, you know right. are a problem that you need to fix. Deal with it head on. Fix it. Work on it. Level up. And uh, I can't wait to see the, the, the vision that unfolds for you, the team that you get a chance to connect with. And uh, God gave you a vision in your heart um, to go do something with it. He's, he's not going to release a trailer. He has no intent of, you know, and no intention of releasing that movie. Um, if he released the trailer, he's going to release the movie. So, 
That's right. Mark, so good, buddy. So good. I, I think, too, just to add on to that, a simple thing I learned a long time ago is that God is more concerned about moving in you than just moving through you. There's mm. things, God has to do things in you before he can do some things through you. And, and, uh, and if you're listening to this and you find yourself at a difficult place or a difficult time or you have those things, look, I, I believe God's already showing you these things. He's, Mark was talking, and you already have little glimpses of the things you need to work on and work with. And that's what this podcast is here for. It's here to equip you. It's here to train you. It's here to serve you. Uh, plenty of resources that I have to be able to offer you. Uh, you can always hit me up on my email at thedproject@me.com. Uh, you can hit me up there, ask questions, all that kind of good stuff. But that's our time today. That's where I think we're 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 gonna, we're gonna stop there. And because number one, if we don't, we're gonna go forever. But number two, uh, number two, you need time to process all this. In fact, if you're listening to this, I don't even know how this is gonna be broken up. This can be broken up, and this can be just piled on as one long thing, or this could be in three parts. I really don't know yet. Uh, but we'll deal with that later. Uh, but the fact of the matter is this, you do have to deal with those things. I hope that you'll send me an email and let me know what you're dealing with. I hope that you'll do that. Um, and I hope that you'll uh, tell me where you need to level up at and, and let me know where that is so I can be able to help you. And, uh, and uh, don't forget to sign up for the, the cyberproject.net. Go there to go for the Fresh Impact Network, uh, Fresh Impact Newsletter, excuse me, and uh, sign up for that and get the notes for this. And I will promise you I will process this out. I will help you process this through. All the stuff Mark talked about is just phenomenal stuff. I hope that you'll take care of that. Uh, but Mark, tell us a little bit about where people can find out more about you if uh, they would like to either connect or maybe send you a kind email uh, to say thank you for the information, all that sure. kind of good stuff. Where, how can people connect with you? Yeah, probably the best place is marknathan.me, M-A-R-K. Last name is Nathan, N-A-T-H-A-N, marknathan.me. You can find the book as of mid-June. It will be released on Amazon, ebook, audiobook. It's called The Delusion of Passion, Why Millennials Struggle to Find Success. You can also go to thedelusionofpassion.com, and uh, all sorts of information on the book is over there. Thanks for having me on, Paul. Mark, thank you so much, and uh, you guys are listening. Don't forget, please go buy iTunes, and please make sure you go ahead and leave a little review. Uh, put some stars there. If this has been helpful, useful to you and your ministry, leave, leave some stars, leave a comment, all those kind of things, so that people in iTunes can find it, because uh, if nothing else, look, I, look, all the other podcasts are fine, but if people don't find this one, I, I feel sorry for them. I feel bad that they're not going to get this information. So please be sure to go ahead and hit some stars, hit some stars and, and comments and all that stuff. Mark, thank you so much, buddy. I appreciate you coming in and uh, sharing your heart with our, our youth leaders that are listening. And, uh, and uh, I'm going to have you back on real soon. Let's go take over the world. Let's do it. Let's do it, man. Let's level up. <laughs> Thanks, Paul. Thank you, buddy.